You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fun one on tap for you today. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy hanging out with you, and we're going to be joined soon by Jess Root of Cards Wire. It's going to be uh, interesting to see what he has to say, how the Cardinals could potentially address the quarterback position, how they could look at maybe the 16th overall pick. We're going to cover it all with Jess Root of Cards Wire coming up here in a few minutes here on Lockdown Cardinals. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown AZ Cards. The Twitter poll, Alex, officially closed. And the Arizona Cardinals, as far as their general manager, the Lockdown Cardinal listeners, Twitter followers have spoken. And the bulk of people believe that Steve Keim is between the 11th best and 20th best general manager in the NFL. The options were 1 through 5, 6 through 10, 11 through 20, or 21 through 32. 52.1% say Steve Keim is 11 through 20th best general manager. Yeah, and if our, we would have done this poll in 2016, <laughs> would have been 80%. The oh, final, top 10? Like, yeah, I mean, the last 10, you know, it's, yeah, that's probably where he is. And you'll take that with, because with the dysfunction that's permeating through the NFL, what we've seen with Houston and, and they're dealing with Bill O'Brien and then moving on to Deshaun Watson on the field stuff. And, you know, Philly, how he rolls him after winning a Super Bowl. It seems like he's not a good GM. John Dorsey has made these waves of incredible drafting to what the hell is he doing to incredible drafting and over there with Cle- like after Cleveland. You know, I guess you'll take a C average right now as GM. And that's what we got with Steve. He has upside, but he also has downside to slipping back and getting held back a grade if things don't, um, you know, move for precipitously as they have been this offseason. They, they haven't made the postseason since 2015. I mean, that's just the reality. And, you know, as, as much as he's done, he's made good moves, as much as he's taken this team from the seller, a three-win team in 2018 to an eight-win team in 2020, you know, they're making progress. But as far as being in the discussion, as far as a top 10 GM, not there yet. He's got, you know, he could certainly figure, if he figures out the cornerback position, if he can propel this team into the postseason the next year, then maybe we can talk about it. He's going to be one of the longest tenured. He's got to be one of the longest tenured GMs in the NFL. So we'll see. You know, it, it, that's that's where we are right now with Steve Kime. I mean, he's he's got a resume where there's some impressive things. And then, you know, probably, I don't, I don't even think I have to throw probably on there. He's pro- he, he is the most successful general manager in the franchise's history as far as how many wins have happened under his watch. But, uh, you know, we, we know where he's fallen short. And drafting in the first round, you got to say, as far as finding impact makers right away, he's got one, Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, I know guys, uh, guys like uh, DJ Humphreys and Hassan Reddick, they popped later, and that's nice to see. But as far as what you want from your first-round picks, you know, I, I think everybody, most the majority of people be like, we need, you need impact guys that are going to make impacts. In the first couple seasons, especially under those rookie de- deals, DJ Humphreys needed his option year, and then uh, Son Reddick had his option declined, 
and now he's playing for the Carolina Panthers despite having a 12-and-a-half sack season. There yeah. was some uh, pretty good news. Were you going to say one more thing about this? Yeah, just quickly. I mean, 2018, everybody gets a free pass except for him. <laughs> it's, you know, like yeah. we, with Patrick Peterson, we kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt because, yeah, he offered it. He, he wanted a trade, and, you know, he rescinded that. But after that, it's like seeing – you know, a, a significant other texting with somebody else. Something may not be happening, but there's always that doubt in your mind after that that he doesn't want to be a Cardinal. But you got to give most people in a benefit of the doubt, except for Steve Kime, because he was the one that facilitated all of it. Yeah, I mean, he he just let this roster slip, and it uh, it was in a rough spot. It was, it was the quarterback position, the most important position. They didn't have a plan after Carson Palmer and it, and it showed and it, it went beyond that. I mean, it was just one of the least talented rosters that we saw during the decade between, you know, 2010 and, and 2020, 2018 was one of the worst rosters of that entire decade. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, make sure you're following along at lockdown AZ cards. You can see those poll results results up there. Also at Clancy's corner and at Bob Brack, B O B R A C K. Justin Pugh announced on Twitter yesterday, right after we finished our podcast, that he was restructuring his deal. He wants to retire an Arizona Cardinal, and it's going to save the cat the cards some cash. Um, you know, you got to appreciate it. You know, there, I think there's one naysayer in my my Twitter mentions saying, "Well, he he did it because he was going to get cut." I don't necessarily believe that. I think that the Arizona Cardinals would have figured out a way to uh, to restructure, get him compensated close to where he was going to get compensated anyway. He's a starting caliber guard in this league. And the Arizona Cardinals' offensive line, uh, I'd be pretty confident about it as far as any of the units on this roster going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have his training wheels in place with, with the acquisition of Rodney Hudson. So he's going to have some help in the interior that he didn't necessarily have last year. Uh, it's interesting when Steve Kime during his press conference a couple days ago said that he sees, uh, he sees Justin Pugh being the staying with the Cardinals. I mean, the left guard, maybe that's because they knew that he was going to restructure at that or take it, take a cap hit, uh, take a, a cap cut. Sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, they saved, they freed up some money. That could be a wide receiver. That could be a corner. That could be a running back. And, uh, you know, the other side of the coin is, uh, is maybe he wasn't going to get that kind of money somewhere else, so he decided to stay and take a couple million dollar cap hit and just you know retire a cardinal as he mentioned. But cool, you know what? That's one less question mark that needs to be answered. The left side of the offensive line is set, and let's go. We got a uh, bold <laughs> draft strategy in the chat right now, and I, if I, it's like a headphone emoji, sunglass smiley face emoji. Can we just trade all of our picks? <laughs> when you look at Steve Geim's draft resume, uh, maybe not the, the worst strategy idea uh, possible, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll float that towards our guy, Jess Root, when we talk to him uh, here in the next couple minutes. Steven Nelson was a cornerback that became available yesterday from the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of hype surrounding him. It's just basically any warm body that plays the cornerback position that goes from a, an NFL roster to the open market, Alex, people are going to, you know, bring the Arizona Cardinals into the chat. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's still, this is a very, very uh, slippery slope the Cardinals could find themselves on if they don't get back in the race, whether it be through trades or, I mean, at this point, would you be surprised if the Cardinals made a trade? Would you be surprised if the Cardinals signed two free agents today from the cornerback position or none until the draft? Like, it's been so, the Rodney Hudson thing came out of nowhere. 
the J.J. Watt signing came out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And that's kind of been Steve Kimes' MO. This is my plan. I'm the only one that's going to know the plan, and we'll see if we execute it or not. Yeah, I mean, as far as Steve Keim, he, he's, he has kind of flown under the radar with, with most of his moves, like the J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, those were moves that nobody saw. I mean, Twitter, a lot of speculation around Rodney Hudson, how it actually came to fruition was nobody anticipated it being a trade for a third-round pick. So him getting it done that way, um, you know, a tip of the cap and, and not letting Rodney Hudson hit the uh, open market there. But as far as Steven Nelson's concerned, and maybe we'll talk to uh, Jess Root about this, I just don't know... Looking at what Adoree Jackson got and looking at the production from Steven Nelson last year and why things ended poorly in Pittsburgh and also things ended poorly in Kansas City. He was, on, he was drafted by Kansas City as a third-round pick, and they let him walk. Um, those are two organizations that are pretty successful that he's not necessarily left on great terms. Is that the type of player, just because you have a void at the cornerback position, that you, you maybe pay the market value for. And you if, if I, I view it as a risky move despite them needing corners. You know, with Pittsburgh last year, like after Bud Dupree and Devin Bush got hurt, everything kind of folded. So I don't know exactly if it's when it's such a linebacker pass rush heavy, just uh, crux brain of that defense. Who knows performance wise, uh, you know, attitude-wise, based on performance, Big Ben, there were so many things that happened with Pittsburgh last year. We have no idea. You know, I mean, it it, it could be performance-based. It could be he's a head case in some capacity. Or it could just be the two best defensive players they had from the linebacker position got hurt, and they were out, and that just kind of changed the whole dynamic of the team moving forward. So, we, I mean, we really don't know. Yeah. Steven Nelson but had the tires on any corner at this point is necessary. Yeah. You have to just mind using cues and see what happens. You know, what's interesting though. And I've thought about it a couple different scenarios. When you, if the Arizona Cardinals were to kick the tires on Malcolm Butler or AJ Boye or, uh, you know, whoever it may be that, that acquisition is going to look appealing to the fan base. I mean, whoever it is, whoever plays that position, you're going to, because you're going to look at the rest of this defense you're going to look at what you got from P2 and what you got from um, from uh, Drake Kirkpatrick last year, and you'll be like, well, they weren't pro bowlers. They were just guys. And if you just bring in somebody that can play the position and cover a little bit, you know, with the pass rush, the, the pass rush is expected to be elite. You know, th- things look pretty pretty appealing. It's Lockdown Cardinals, part of your Lockdown Podcast Network. We're going to get Jess Root's thoughts on how this team can address the cornerback position. There's not one, but at least two holes on this, uh, this starting lineup, uh, it looks like Byron Murphy is going to stay in the slot play inside. So who's going to play outside? Jess Root, he'll answer that. Plus what he thinks the Arizona Cardinals should do with the 16th overall pick. It's Bo, it's Alex, it's Locked On Cardinals. Got a little bit of a lull these next couple days, but the NCAA tournament will be back in action on Saturday and Sunday with the Sweet 16. Do you like any matchups? Right now I'm looking at Gonzaga, and it's plus 140 on betonline.ag to win the championship. Baylor plus 375. It's pretty good value right there. BetOnline's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You've got the NBA, you've got the NHL, Major League Baseball is just right around the corner, and college basketball it's going on right now. The madness continues. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put in $100, you're going to get $50 free to play around with and build your stack. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON for your free sign-up bonus. Let's bring on our next guest, Jess Root, site editor, Cards Wire. We're excited to talk to him for the first time on the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Jess, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always nice to just talk with other Cardinals uh, reporters, guys if, who follow this team, people who follow this team. And, um, you know, the big glaring void going on as far as uh, the Cardinals roster is concerned. The cornerback position, Jess, I mean, I hate to put you on the hot seat right out of the gates, but how do you view this team uh, addressing the, not one but two positions in the starting lineup? Oh, it's it's weird because of the fact that they just haven't – they've literally done nothing. They right. they let everyone go, and the old, literally the only move that they've done at cornerback is release out Robert Alford and re-sign him. And while I agree with the move – I hope that they're not planning, like counting on him to be a starter at this point. I mean, technically, like if you're going with a base defense, they have their top two corners in Alfred and Murphy, but I don't think there's anyone that's going to be comfortable with that moving forward. I expect to see Murphy playing 100% of the snaps this year. He's going to start probably as your number two and slide inside when they, when they play nickel. But, I mean, it's like they're playing chicken with a bunch of these cornerbacks out there right now. Um, cause you've got some names out there and I know you've got AJ boy. I heard you guys talk about him. He's got the connection with Vance Joseph before, but he's also got two games left of a suspension, I believe to, to serve at the start of the year. Um, there's some other names on, I mean, Steven Nelson would be nice. Literally any would be good at this point because <laughs> you've got Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, um, Jace Whitaker, who, I mean, we saw what happened when he got playing time against the dolphins and a dude named Picasso Nelson. Um, those are the cornerbacks on the roster, and I, mean, I, I, we've we've heard that perhaps they're trying to go in the bargain bin to do that. Um, and it, what's kind of interesting is is the notion that they're going to address in the draft. Here's here's the history of Steve Kime. There's he always doubles down, so he doesn't like to be pigeonholed into a particular position in the draft. So you think a couple years ago, 2018, they signed Sam Bradford. And then drafted Josh Rosen. Last year, they signed Devondre Campbell and drafted Isaiah Simmons. They they double up all the time. They want to make sure that they have all their needs filled before they even hit the draft. Um, and so, I mean, it, they're going to now. Luckily, if their pass rush is good, scheme-wise last year, their problem with their pass defense, because their pass defense statistic was pretty all right. They gave up a, a, more touchdowns, but the improvement from 2019 to 2020 in terms of defense, pass defense was was great because they were historically bad in 2019 bad bad in 2019 they i would think it was a 109.3 opposing passer rating for the season they allowed which if you look at that that's like a hall of fame every quarterback was a hall of famer in terms of passer rating right um they had good border play so while peterson wasn't great drake Kirkpatrick certainly wasn't great but in terms of what they allowed on the outside they were fairly solid it was the middle of the field where they got they tended to get picked apart. And so you need someone that's capable and can stay healthy. Um, I like Steven Nelson, depends on the price tag. Honestly, Richard Sherman would probably be, as much as Cardinals fans dislike the man, 
he would be a nice fit because he's smart. The durability is a concern, but the names that are out there, I mean, uh, Bashad Breland has played, you know, he's played on great teams, but it, it literally is just, you need somebody to, that, that is capable. You, you don't want to count on a rookie. Like if they draft someone number 16 overall, we, what we've seen with, with a lot of things is, is they don't like to play rookies early and cornerbacks playing early can be yeah, yeah, not fun. You had a recent article that came out about the Cardinals cap situation. You have them just over $7 million. That's based on the NFLPA as of today. So that depends on which contracts have been processed. They count Robert Alford's um, over the cap has them at a little over four. They don't have Alford's counting. So it's just a matter of how many contracts have been processed. So I consider them having between four and seven million dollars somewhere in there. You think that's enough to address the position or is it is it going to really have to come in the draft? Well, you, you can do whatever you want with the cap. It's, we've seen, <laughs> it's a myth. We've seen that. It's 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 an illusion. You, see, you right. can you can pay for it now or you can pay for it later. So, yeah, if the cornerback, if there's a cornerback they want, they can make it work. It's just a matter of doing things like Devon Kennard, obviously. His contract becomes now expendable because of the, the addition of J.J. Watt and Marcus Golden. They haven't done anything with him yet. Uh, Mason Cole is expendable now as well. Um He's due what two point one million this year uh, because of playing time. His salary took a jump, but but he's been bumped out of the lineup, and they've got ton of depth. And so his contract is expendable whether you trade him, whether you cut him, because he might have a little bit of value in in, in a trade. Um, Chandler Jones, I don't know where they're at in p- potential talks, uh, if they've had talks or how far they are in talks and a pos- potential extension. But the truth is, you could also do like. Uh, a simple restructure, even though he's in the last year of his deal, you could add a voided year to the end of his deal and, and restructure it that way to free up some money as well. So if they want to, they've got ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, the Chandler Jones thing is the most interesting because I, you'd be hard-pressed to think that they're going to let him walk next year. I mean, even though he's going to be on the other side of 30, we'll see how much he wants to stay in Arizona if he wants to get that big payday again. Um I, I'm sure that they've broached the topic of extending him now. And I just don't know if with the balloon market next year, maybe that's going to come into play where he may get a lot more than we think he could get. And obviously coming off an injury, it may be a prove it year for him in the last year of his contract could be a, uh, a, a franchise tag uh, guy next year. Also, depending again on how high the salary cap goes for next season. So it'd be interesting to see. And I mean, but you're right. I mean, they, they can do what they need to do if they, if they want to do it now, and uh, we're just waiting for them to do it. Right. Right. And, you know, the Jones thing is interesting because of the way we've seen the Cardinals. Uh, here's my take on on Patrick Peterson. Based on what we heard from Pat, based on what we heard from Kime, it sounds like they had really no intent. Kime didn't have any intentions on bringing it back. He, he danced around the question saying, you know, that he equated it to the Adrian Wilson situation. Adrian Wilson was still under contract, and he cut him. He said it was one of the hardest things that he did. Peterson spoke in his in initial press conference about how he talked to Bidwill, Michael Bidwill, and it wasn't necessarily that they needed to go in a different direction, but they just had too many other needs. And so uh, it, it seems like the Cardinals never even intended on Peterson returning, which leads to they let Calais Campbell go at that age. They let Patrick Peterson go. It would seem weird that they would do that with Chandler Jones, but it's 
kind of within Kimes MO at someone at that age in, and potential production to let him go a year too early rather than a year too late. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I was actually one of the Kime apologists when he let Calais Campbell walk. I mean, Calais Campbell was a guy that never reached, reached double digit sacks. I know it was more than just sacks at the time and what his uh, input was for that roster and how integral he was during that run. But to get what 30 million guaranteed at the time for a guy that was over 30 at the point, at that point, um, you know, I, I was I was saying that Steve Kine was probably doing exactly what you said, just a year early instead of a year too late. Clay has proved them wrong, and you know Patrick Peterson might do that, but he would be the exception to the rule. I mean, Richard Sherman's been the exception. Cornerbacks coming back from serious injuries at his age and being productive again. So, I mean, it would be I would be shocked if Patrick Peterson somehow recaptures you know the eight time Pro Bowler that he once was. I have no problem with them moving on. I think it was a smart business decision to maybe even just move off of those conversations uh, as early as they did. But now we're still sitting here with a pretty empty, pretty barren <laughs> cornerback room. Let's start to look forward to the uh, NFL draft, but also talk about some of the additions to this roster with Jess Root from Cardwire as he continues on with here, us here on Locked On Cardinals. It's Bo and it's Alex. You know, when you visit the Built Bar business in Utah, they have a store on the premises that has, is just filled with delicious Bilt Bars. And there's a sign that says, like a kid in a candy score, store, and candy is scratched out in place of protein because it's a protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. There's 18 amazing flavors, and the bars, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. Soft, easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person because it's equally as nutritious as it is delicious. You can lose, maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet without giving up on taste. Go to the website right now. Get yourself a mixed box of Built Bars. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. You don't even have to buy the mixed box, but you can get anything. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20, and you get 20% off your next order. While you're there, participate in the Built Bar Bracket Challenge because it is March Madness, and we're trying to crown the most delicious of all delicious protein bars. Today's matchup, Cookies and Cream versus Coconut Almond. If there's a bar that's going to take down one of the coconut bars, it could be Cookies and Cream. Cast your vote today, and while you're there, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 at BuiltBar.com to save 20% off your next order. Streaming live on Restream, which is going out to our Facebook page, Twitter page, and YouTube channel, Locked on Cardinals, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy at Clancy's Corner at Bob Brack, B-O-B-R-A-C-K, and Jess Root, Senior Jess Root, right? That's how we uh, say your uh, Twitter yeah. handle because you yes. are also yes. a Spanish teacher. Um, and uh, so let, let's just, before we get into the 16th overall pick or maybe the draft strategy for Steve Kime and the Cardinals going forward, what are your thoughts as far as the additions of, of J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, um, you know, the re-signings, bringing back Marcus Golden and letting guys like Redick walk. We've already heard your thoughts on Peterson. What, what are your thoughts early on so far from this offseason? You look at the, the age of the guys that brought in, you're like, that would have been a fantastic team in 2013. <laughs> uh, but, you know, A.J. Green, he has proven production. He's been down a couple years. He's had some injuries. They're banking on players bouncing back, and they liked the tape. I mean, he was targeted a lot. 
Steve Kimes said they, they, in his press conference the other day that they charted like 38 of the 100 and some odd throws were uncatchable. They still saw someone who can can make contested catches, who was great in contested catching balls in traffic. He still moves really well. It's just a matter, I think, you know, I think coming here will actually help him get re-engaged. Um, whatever the case is, he is a better option than anyone we've had on the outside. And that allows Christian Kirk to move inside. For When he was drafted, everyone thought he was going to be a slot receiver, and the Cardinals insisted he could play inside and out. He's had some success, but moving him inside should make him better, should make Green better, who's not going to be facing top cornerbacks anymore. And then it pushes your other guys that you were counting as a number three or four receiver is, as just a number four receiver, or maybe they – I don't know what they're going to do tight end either because they've got mm. Max Williams and, and no one else. AJ Green was a great is, – is a solid addition. It's it's riskier, but it, the contract wasn't super risky. Um, you have a ceiling of much higher than you could get from most of the other receivers on the market um, with – there's the flag of the last three years. He just hasn't been nearly as productive and he's, he's missed the one season Uh, Hudson, the trade for Hudson. uh, I think that is huge because as we saw late in the season center was a problem. They have done a lot to reinforce that offensive line. Uh, You, you majorly upgrade the middle. You bring back Beecham who played really well last year. And I just, I don't understand how we, why, how they managed to re-sign him basically on a minimum deal. It was just a little bit more than minimum for how he played last year. The the track record he's had of his career as a left tackle, then last year as right tackle. He should have gotten paid more money, but I'll take it. Um, so that offensive line looks really solid now because now you just got right guard is a competition between Brian Winters, Josh Jones, Justin Murray. Heck, if you want to throw in Mason Cole and Lamont Gilliard at the moment as well, you've got five guys play, battling for one position that's going to play out well. And if that's your one week spot, like no team has strong play. Like you don't have five pro bowlers. Mm -hmm. You, you, you're getting, you essentially have two pro bowl level guys in DJ Humphreys and Rodney Hudson. You've got a very good guy at Kelvin beach and you've got average above average in Justin Pugh. You just need not bad from your right guard position now. So that was really good as well. Yeah, one more quick one before we let you get out of here. Uh, shifting to the draft, we've kind of gone back and forth here from offensive line to corner, and and now it seems a little bit clearer. I mean, wide receiver, I guess you could throw in there. The only thing that Bo and I have kind of disagreed on a little bit is he's open to a running back at 16, and I'm vehemently against it. Um, would you rather draft Elijah Vera Tucker as a left guard and say, you know what, for the next five years – Kyler Murray is going to have one of the best left sides in football. Or do you draft a J.C. Horn, who every draft pundit has, excuse me, the Cardinals taking at 16, uh, or something else, trade back? I mean, if, if you had those three options. Horn makes the most sense if he's there because of the nature of the position, because cornerback's a premium position. They also need a pass rusher um, if you're looking forward. So you look at cornerback and edge rusher are premium positions that if you can draft in the first round, that makes sense. And and they could have some contribution this year. Offensive line makes a lot of different ways make sense, especially with Pew likely, you know, while he took a pay cut, it basically guarantees that he'll get cut next year because of how his contract next year is structured. I like the running backs at, at 16. You can get 
value at running back later as well. There's there's a lot. I think if you want to stack your offense, you could get an offensive lineman. You could, if you really want to stack your offense, add a receiver or or running back like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, um, and you don't lose a beat in that running back position. You you're stacked across the board. Um, Kyle Pitts, he's not going to be anywhere around at number 16, but he would be a necessary addition right now, just because right now it makes the most sense to take a cornerback because we don't know what the quarterback's position looks like. And it is a premium position. And so based on the talent that's there, I like Horn about equally as, as Vera Tucker. Um, I like Horn a little bit better than the edge rushers that are probably going to be available. Um, but if if one of your like a receiver, say Devontae Smith's available, Rashad Bateman is is really good. And here's the thing, honestly, there's another cornerback that that might that's probably going to get more love as we get closer, and that's Northwestern's Greg Newsom. Mm. Um, some think that of all the names on there, I've got people who follow the drafts. They say he's actually cornerback number one and and should be in that consideration. The guy now, granted, he plays depending on what you want to say, but he got, there were zero catches for more than 20 yards last year. His numbers were ridiculous. He, you know, he's physical. He has that dog mentality. There's a, there's some cornerbacks that the Cardinals really like. Horn is the one that, that fits because pretty much on all draft boards, he's like your second or third best corner. Right. And the Cardinals probably slot is the guy that the team that needs the cornerback the most at number 16. But you know, I'd be fine with Horn. I'd be fine with Newsom. I don't have one player that I'm in love with, but because there's, and if you can trade back, I think that the talent at 16, say the talent at 20 to 23, I don't think it's significantly different. And so if you can pick up a pick there, and if you like the, uh, the round three or round four pick that you can pick up. And, and so you get roughly the same talent in the first round and you get additional talent later on. That also has value because, it, you know, they're going to do something at quarter cornerback. I hope yeah. in the next month, because you don't like, you're going to count on the rookie to come in and start right away. Cause that's not going to look good. Even like as much as they love Byron Murphy, when he played early on, it was, Kind of ugly. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. I mean, he was, was Jermaine Brock was playing, uh, you know, on the other side, oh, and, and that Jermaine didn't help. Brock. But yeah, that's a four-letter word these days uh, for every organization <laughs> he's played in. It, it is going to be interesting. I mean, the Caleb Farley conversation gets – because you mentioned they, they don't play anybody in their first year, a guy who's coming off surgery, but could the talent be there? But they need impact players right now. I hope that, you know, the guy making the decisions and Steve Kime realizes that and finds somebody that could help fill a hole – and a need on this roster, but you never know. I mean, as far outside of the quarterback position, they really haven't played rookies, you know, year one. Uh, we'll see what the... Unless the, they've had to. Unless yeah, they unless they, yeah, to. unless their backs were against the wall, and I, and I think that this qualifies. This this certainly qualifies. We'll see what they do. Jess Root, just great insight. Cards Wire, he's the uh, site uh, editor, of course, over there. Make sure you're following along on Twitter, at uh, Senior Jess Root. Great, great conversation, man. We uh, we got to do this again. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Jess Root joined us here on Locked on Cardinals. Great information there. It's uh, it's pretty on par with what we've been talking about, Alex. I mean, yeah. And just quickly, J.C. Horn just had his measurables done: forty-one and a half inch vertical, and he benched nineteen times. Two twenty-five, nineteen times. So yep. I mean. 
pretty much uh, backing up what you, you've heard about J.C. Horn is he's a physical corner. He's he's, a, he's not you know your your soft like he's going to play off and you're going to see the Patrick Peterson you know tackling attempts. I mean this is a guy that that likes to play close to the opposing receiver. Uh, he plays a physical corner position and he's got the you know the the, the strength to back that up. I you want know, them to draft him just for you. Yeah, just man, so, it would be full circle, man. He's gonna be the first press conference. He's like, like JC. Yeah, I I didn't want you to be drafted because I got bored of mock drafts. Because from day one, people were calling it that uh, you were gonna be wearing a Cardinals uniform. Like he was more of a slam dunk than Trevor Lawrence. It seems like in more (laughs) in in mock drafts, which is absurd. The only sixteen lock in NFL mock draft history, JC Horn. Uh, We're going long today, but uh, we appreciate everybody. Tune in on the chat. We'll answer some of those questions on tomorrow's episode. We do it every day. We're Locked On Cardinals, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you follow Alex on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow me, B-O-B-R-A-C-K. And, of course, follow the show at Locked On AZ Cards, Facebook, Twitter, and, of course, on YouTube. We'll be back with a fresh episode tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in.